I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today I'm beginning a new series called The Dangerous Tentacles of Climate Change. Now this topic has required months and months of research to try to get a handle on it. Now I tend to see bits and pieces of things that disturb me. And I've learned to pay attention to these internal body tells, so I go down the road of each piece and explore it. The more roads I go down, the more complex the research becomes, and I often have to stop for periods of time to take a breath, because what I am looking for in these instances is to answer what is going on. What is the bigger picture? What is the real agenda, and who are the players behind this? I am convinced that this movement is a great danger that will grow in power. I want to show you why we need to be concerned and what actions we can take. I refer to the pieces of the puzzle known as climate change as tentacles. A tentacle is defined as a smaller, slender appendage for a larger entity, like an octopus. It's used to grasp and hold on to something, but it's not holding on to that something for its good. It is a subtle, deceptive danger. Now, this episode may look like I'm going all over the place because that's just how the research was unfolding. You see, there is no nice, neat description of the belief system or worldview that we refer to as climate change. That terminology was no doubt the product of think tanks who specialize in behavioral science. Companies like the Rand Corporation, the Brookings Institute, the Tavistock Institute in the UK, these are all communication arms of the global elite, and they specialize in studying human behavioral science to come up with terminology that their research has proven will resonate with people and shift public opinion on things that the global elite cares about. I am a professional wordsmith. I've worked over 30 years in crafting the right messaging for clients, choosing words carefully that capture the heart of what the client does. Now, this is a good thing when you're helping a business grow and expand. Everything is above board, the media is used in a proper way to get that message out, and great products and services find their way to consumers who need them. Now, this same skill set of messaging, though, can be used in a negative way. If the client, the one paying for these think tanks, is a larger entity whose ultimate agenda is buried in secrecy. And that's what's tricky in these end of days. Believers have to be extremely discerning to see past the words into the agenda of who is paying the bill and who is being taken advantage of. In each part of this series, I will address a different tentacle, which will reveal bits and pieces of this larger agenda. I'll offer you my commentary through a biblical lens and let you come to your conclusion about the matter at the end of the series. In the description notes, I'll provide links to articles that I reference in each episode, and you can find them on my podcast page at candislong.com slash 
podcasts. Tentacle number one is called the 60-Year-Old Warnings. Now, these warnings were given by former President Eisenhower in his farewell address to America in 1961. I'm going to comment on three sentences that I pulled out from his address because each one reflects what we are seeing today over 60 years later. And each one of these warnings relate to the climate change agenda. Eisenhower warning number one says this, quote, In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Unquote. Now, what does this mean? The term military-industrial complex refers to a country's military establishment and all of the collateral industries that produce arms or other military materials. They include big companies such as Raytheon Technologies, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics. The number one defense contractor in the world is Boeing, with a 23% market share. So this notable military leader and former president of the United States was warning Americans about the potential for some disastrous power to rise up within this group that is misplaced, it doesn't belong, but it is so strong that the potential for takeover is great. I want to show you the backstory of what happened to President Eisenhower seven years before he wrote this warning. I wrote about it at great length in my episode called The Nephilim UFO Connection Part 1, How We Opened the Door. I want you to see what happens when we look deeper and expand the meaning of relatively short sentences in a speech. The incident I was discussing involved secret meetings that President Eisenhower held in 1954 with human-looking aliens at Edwards Air Force Base in California, according to many sources. Eisenhower was accompanied by Cardinal James McIntyre, head of the Catholic Church in Los Angeles representing the religious community. Also with him were a top economic advisor, and a senior reporter to represent the media. According to my records, the aliens offered the president an offer he could not refuse. They offered the United States unlimited access to the space and aeronautical technology, which would guarantee America's dominance as leader of the free world. But there were conditions. The U.S. would have to agree to two things— Number one, the aliens would be allowed to conduct medical experiments through the abduction of humans and cattle, saying these were for science-gathering purposes only. Now, these beings assured the president that the abductees would suffer no harm, nor would they be able to remember the abductions. And the number two stipulation is the president would set up a secret organization whose meetings would be attended by the world's most powerful 
including European prime ministers, American presidents, and the wealthiest CEOs in the world in order to make decisions regarding the economic and political future of humanity. The aliens would place their own representatives as leaders of this covert organization, and this led to the formation of the Bilderberg Group in 1954. Supposedly, Eisenhower refused to sign the agreement at first, but finally conceded after threats to his and his family's health, and threats by the aliens to take this offer instead to the Russians. Purportedly under great duress, Eisenhower signed the arrangement, and driving away from the base was reported to have said, I think I've just sold out the American people. Now, regardless of whether all of these details are factual, we can be sure that these abduction experiments have most certainly been conducted over the years. As was reported in an earlier episode, as many as 3% of the U.S. population is believed to have been involved in abduction experiences, whereby abductees were inseminated with alien DNA and human DNA was extracted from them. Now, that's nearly 9 million Americans in whom was inserted alien genetic material. According to investigative journalist Daniel Estelin, author of the book The True Story of the Bilderberg Group, the press has never been allowed to attend their meetings, nor have conclusions or discussions ever been released, which have ramifications on the citizens of the world. So in this farewell address, Eisenhower was warning about the disturbing rise of power within this complex of the military industry and said boldly that this power is so strong that it will persist. Now, it's hard to wrap our minds around this, but Eisenhower witnessed their technology. He witnessed these beings that look like us. He witnessed their threats and manipulations and the danger to his personal health and that of his family, and he experienced the formation of the Bilderberg Group and the power they exerted by being infiltrated by these beings. He experienced the danger of this Nephilim tentacle firsthand. As hard as this is to grasp, we have been and are being invaded by an otherworldly influence that is physically present in the companies and entities associated with our space program, aeronautical technology, our country's defense, arms that we are creating and selling to Ukraine, for instance, and all of the innovations and patents held by the companies involved with all of that. Each company selling shares on our U.S. stock exchange and billions of people around the world are making piles of money from those technologies. That's how invasive this tentacle is, and that's what Eisenhower was warning about. Biblically speaking, once we become aware of it, God then holds us accountable if we are profiting in any way from this tentacle because that would mean that we are compliant and are okay with it. How would we become compliant? By having these companies in our stock portfolios or 401ks. 
we will be held accountable for what we have invested in and what we are profiting from. That's what makes us compliant. And if we are profiting, all Satan has to say to Almighty God is, you see how they are making money off of this. They would rather have that money than to follow you. Eisenhower warning number two is very similar to the one I just described. He wrote, quote, Public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite, unquote. Let's break it down a little. Public policy is generally defined as a system of laws, regulatory measures, courses of action, and funding priorities concerning a given topic, brought forth by a governmental entity or its representatives. Now, this is exactly what is happening with the climate change agenda. The elite intend to financially benefit from companies they invest in, build, and control having to do with climate change. They pour millions of dollars into think tank messaging experts and the media to make this issue what everyone is talking about, using phrases such as keeping our world safe. Now, that sounds pretty good. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But then the elite fund the campaigns of political leaders who create the laws and regulations around this particular public policy. All the while, they maintain controlling interest in every facet of the corporate infrastructure needed to support the policy. And those companies are traded publicly. And once again, shareholders get rich, everybody happy, nobody rocks the boat. Now, who is the great enemy who is typically non-compliant and doesn't go along? The believers, us. Even the phrase, keeping our world safe, is blasphemy to a true believer, for it is the Lord, the creator of the universe, who holds all things together. Now, that may sound simplistic, but this is a huge test. Do we trust a governmental United Nations body of laws and regulations to regulate our environment? That's what we are being pressured to do. What has happened is similar to the actions of the military-industrial complex. Certain companies stand to benefit from the climate change regulatory victory. The top five are Tesla, First Solar, Invesco Solar, Next Era Energy, or Global X Renewable Energy Producers, and Lithium Americas. Now, you might be asking, oh, wait a minute, if solar power is better for the environment, what's so bad about investing in a company who invented and manufactures solar panels? That's a fair question. But I'm going to show you that though this appears to be an innocuous or harmless tentacle, the public policy surrounding it puts our country in a position to transfer sovereignty over to a global regulatory body. This means we would no longer be able to control our own destiny as a nation, birthed in the heart of God to be a beacon of light in the world. Eisenhower is saying that the process of making something public policy, no matter how good it sounds, and creating laws around that policy, 
could be taken over by powerful elite leaders in the scientific technological arena. Now, I need to say here that not everyone involved in this environmental movement has nefarious motives. There are many who honestly, truly believe they are helping our planet and its people. Eisenhower warning number three. He said, quote, The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded, unquote. He was being as subtle as possible because of the threatening power of this shadow government. One huge driver of these global initiatives is who controls the money. What companies are going to be granted the lucrative contracts to do business in this arena? One of the scholars who's riding a big wave of power right now is Klaus Schwab. He's founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, the WEF. His book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, became one of the primary topics at the 50th annual meeting in 2020, declaring that COVID represented an opportunity that could be seized, saying we should take advantage of it to reimagine our world. In other words, COVID was the trigger that the elite was looking for to move their one-world agenda to another level. You need to know that in June of 2019, just the year before, the WEF signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the United Nations to form a partnership to advance what they refer to as the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. It sounds reasonable, encouraging citizens of the world to take care of our planet. But let's drill down into the specifics and follow the tentacles into the belly. What's unsettling is that the world's economic entity is now aligned with the world governmental body, the United Nations. Schwab committed the WEF to help the UN, quote, meet the needs of what is termed the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Here we go. A new terminology planted into our minds by the think tanks designed to shift public opinion. What in the world is the Fourth Industrial Revolution? It means investing in companies involved in the fields of big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum computing, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics, which will enable them to control everyone on the planet digitally. These companies will be carefully vetted to see who plays ball with their agenda or not. Those chosen as allied partners stand to make billions of dollars, so they are competing for attention right now through their advertisements. They're doing whatever it takes to make the cut and align with the world economic leaders and the world's governing body. I want to go on record here as saying that the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development is, I believe, the modern-day equivalent of the Global 2000 Report written back in 1979. This report was based on the study of the Earth's resources and population growth, and this is the same stuff the climate change agenda is concerned with. Now, who commissioned this report? 
the world's most wealthy and powerful people, referred to as the elite, or a term they often call themselves, the Olympians. The objective was to create a blueprint to get rid of 2.5 billion people by the year 2020. Now, through the introduction of COVID-19 and the subsequent propaganda to get everyone vaccinated, this reduction of the world's population got a head start. The global goals have now been pushed forward to 2030, and other initiatives are now being put in place to consolidate the world's wealth and resources into fewer and fewer hands. In a talk delivered to Hillsdale College a little over a year ago at the end of 2021, American scholar Michael Rechtenwald wrote this, quote, To comply with the social justice aspect of the Great Reset, governments, banks, and asset managers use the Environmental, Social, and Governance, or ESG, index to squeeze the non-woke corporations and businesses out of the market. Now, let me define first a new term, the Environmental, Social, and Governance Index, often referred to simply as ESG Index. This is basically a social credit score that is used by finance managers to pick the companies to invest in, the ones that are on board with this agenda, and they drive out all the companies that are not. Take, for example, BlackRock, which is the world's largest asset manager. CEO Larry Fink is totally on board and is allocating billions, much of that coming from our company's pension funds, and investing in companies that go along with this ESG agenda. Larry Fink's letter to CEOs was basically a threat, saying either you be woke or else you're out of business. So as more and more investors choose to invest in sustainably focused companies, the shift that we're seeing will continue to grow. Remember Eisenhower's warning that the power of money determines investment allocations. Who gets what dollars? And every company's management team and board have to search their soul to determine whether to play ball or not. Their answer will determine their company's worth to stockholders. This is a huge test as well for investors who are believers, because if your pension fund is being channeled into this global movement, then once again you are going along with the game and are labeled compliant. Be very careful. This is a snare as old as time. There are two worldviews here. One is God's, and the other is global. God is not global. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 25, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all of the nations, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And then the king will say to the sheep at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The choice is ours. Do we align with the king and his ways 
or align with those who believe they have been entrusted with the stewardship of the world's environment and all of its resources. Next time, we'll examine tentacle number two in the climate change agenda. If you'd like to share this episode with others, you'll find it on my podcast page at candislong.com slash podcast. I want to thank you so much for being with me today. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.